And so here we are. This is kind of weird. It's 11 o'clock and I'm already up preaching. And so usually a lot of you don't even show up into the sanctuary until 11 o'clock. So we figured we'll move the sermon up and maybe, maybe some of you will just come in even later. <laughs> but anyway, we're doing it a little different this morning because we want to talk about knowing God, and then we want to practice it. So what we're going to do is, is I'm going to preach this normal sermon earlier in the service, and then afterwards we are going to practice what we're going to do throughout the week this week, and that's worshiping and praying together. And so that's why things are a little bit different today. And so we start with the idea of being rooted and I'll just start with a simple idea that will kind of encapsulate all this series, and it's this. We cannot be who God created us to be if our faith is not rooted in an, in, in an authentic relationship with Christ. Did you hear me there? We cannot be who God created us to be if, if, and calls us to be if our faith is not rooted in authentic relationship with Christ. Now, let's talk through that a little bit. Your faith cannot be rooted in your spouse's authentic relationship with Christ. Just having a spouse that knows Christ and has a relationship is not enough to root you. Teens, young people, having, you cannot be rooted in, a, in, a, in an authentic relationship with Christ if you're relying on your parents' faith. You have to have an authentic relationship with Christ. Every single one of us. It can't be rooted on anything but an authentic relationship with Christ. It doesn't, it, your faith can't be rooted just on church attendance. There are people that come to church every week and they do not reflect Christ when they walk out of the doors. Your faith, and this, this might be a little controversial, your faith cannot only be rooted in a knowledge of Scripture. You can know Scripture really well. You can know the Bible front and back. But if you don't have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not be rooted in your faith and you will not be who God created you to be. That's tough stuff, but it's real. You have to have an authentic relationship with Christ, and it has to be yours. Young people, it's got to be yours. If you're not rooted, you're not going to last. You have to have an authentic relationship with Christ. I'm convinced that all of our struggles as followers of Christ, as the church, you guys are aware of the struggles in today's society when the church doesn't reflect God, when the church doesn't show the world God's love. Do you know why? It's when the church does not have an authentic, active, living relationship with God. That's when we get off track. That's when we see people living the wrong way. That's when we see people living hypocrisy. And so, I, I keep saying it, you have to have that relationship with Christ. Well, through this series, we're going to be reading in Colossians, um, which is a letter that's written by Paul and Timothy. It's one of the prison epistles. It's, it's one of the letters that Paul wrote from prison to the church in Colossae. And, and so, 
through this series, we're going to be working through this whole letter to, to the Colossians. And so our, our main theme scripture is this. It's Colossians 1, 9 through 14. So we're going to read it together. And then every week we're going to be working out, we're going to be starting from this scripture and we're going to be jumping around Colossians in different areas. But this is the main theme of our Rooted series. It says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So this is our theme text. For this reason, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask that God will fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So it starts and it says, for this reason. I need to fill you in on what this reason is. Paul has heard about what's happening in the church of Colossae. And so right before this, there's a paragraph that says, listen, I've heard what God's been doing through you, what God's been doing through the message that you've heard and through your faithfulness in your lives. And then he goes into this. He says, through what you've heard in the gospel, through what God's done in your life, the gospel is being spread all over the place and it's growing. And then he says, for this reason, we have not stopped praying for you. And then that leads us to where we're going to be today. And I know I just read this. I'm going to read it again. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Who is Paul talking to here? Who's he writing to? He's writing the church. He's writing to church folks. He's writing to people just like us. And he says, I've seen what God's been doing in your life. And for this reason, I continually pray for you. And what what does he ask for? What's the first thing that Paul asks for in prayer for the church that God has been working through? So we're not talking about people that don't know God. We're not talking about people that are outsiders. We're talking about the church. And the first thing that Paul asks for is what? He says, we ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul's first prayer for the church that God has been working through is that they will know God and know God's will. So as we start the Rooted series, that's where we've got to be. 
Our prayer for this month is not that you would become rich. It's not that you would become a great evangelist. It's not that you would have huge success in your life. The prayer, Paul's first prayer for his church, was not any of that stuff. It wasn't that you would grow and that your church would double and that this would happen. Paul's first prayer is that they would know Christ and know God's will The greatest thing that could happen to us this month is if we built roots in an authentic relationship with Christ and if we knew God more every day. That's what Paul is praying for, for these church folk. In fact, when it says knowing, the word is epignosis, the word knowing there, that you would have the knowledge of his will, and that actually, that word can mean discernment. So we're not talking about a memorized knowledge. We're not just talking about memorizing something. We're talking about really knowing something, having discernment. And Paul's prayer is that the people in the church of Colossae would know God and know God's will. The greatest thing you can have is knowing the Creator God. And so this month, that's where it all starts. We begin our series understanding That in order to be who God created us to be, in order to be the church, in order to be the followers of Christ that God wants you to be, it starts with knowing who God is and knowing God's will for your life. Knowing implies that there is something to know, right? Knowing God... Knowing God's will means that there's something that we should know. This is important because th- this is a really good quote I came up with. I've read another Keller book. I love, I love Timothy Keller's books, and I read another Keller book, so you're going to see a lot of Keller quotes over the next few weeks. But this is a really good one. He says this, If left to themselves, our hearts will tend to create a God who does not exist. If left to ourselves, our hearts will tend to create a God that does not exist. When Paul says, my prayer is that you know God, Paul's not saying that, that you make up a good God. Paul's not saying that, that, that you would figure something out. Paul is saying, there is a God, and my prayer is that you know that God. I want you to understand this morning that God is real and that God exists, and that God has, has a plan, has wisdom, has understanding, and we need to know who God is. The problem is, if we're not rooted in an authentic relationship, we tend to make up our own gods, or we tend to get our own view of what we think God is. In fact, there was a movie, I, I, I was hesitating whether I should share this, but there was a movie that was really popular several years ago, and one of the parts of it was a little sacrilegious, and in it they were talking about their different views of what their Jesus was like. But let's be honest, in today's culture there's a lot of different people that make God into what they want God to be. There's a lot of people that say, this is what I think God should be. This is who I think God should be. And they create a God that doesn't really exist. God is real. God has been active throughout history. God was before all things. And what Paul's saying is, I want you to know that God. And and so... This, this month, I want us to be focusing on, God, 
Who are you? Not who I want you to be, not who I think you should be, but God, who are you? So how do we know God? Well, first, we have God's Word. We have Scripture. So we know God through His Word. The good news is you're not left to guess on who God is. We have Scripture. We have a Bible that tells us who God is. There's another Keller quote that I think is really good. It says this, There is a difference between praying to an unknown God that we hope to discover in our praying and praying to a God that's revealed through Israel and Jesus Christ who speaks our language. Did you hear that? In prayer, we're not just hoping to figure out who this mysterious God is. We have a guidebook. We have Scripture. God has been active through history. And so if you read the Scriptures, you see God's work throughout history. You see God's work through the Israelites. We're not left on our own. We have a guidebook. In fact, Paul goes on in in Colossians right after verse 14 where we stopped. Verse 15 starts, and and Paul just spells it out. He says, this is who Jesus is. And so listen to this. This is verse 15 through 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Sometimes I think we, we think about knowing God and we think God is this cosmic thing that we can't possibly know. But here's the good news. Jesus came to earth. We just celebrated the Christmas story that Jesus came to earth as a man. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Are you getting a picture of who God is? He might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Paul says, you need to know who God is. You need to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. You need to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. And here's who Jesus is. And we get that picture. Do you have, do you get the picture there? And that's great. And so we see this is who Jesus is. Jesus is was before time. Everything was created in Jesus. Everything was redeemed by Jesus. Jesus is supreme over everything. This is who we're called to have relationship with, not a God that we make up on our own, not a God that fits what we want God to be. God was here before all things, and all things were created and reconciled through Christ. That's who we need to know. He goes on in verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. 
without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move on or move from the hope held out in the gospel. And so Paul starts and he says, this is who Jesus is, this is who you need to know, and then moves on to, hey, here's your part in the story. This is what Jesus did for you. You were alienated, you were in darkness, you were gone, and Jesus reconciled you to God's kingdom. And so this gives us a picture of who God is and where we stand in relation to God. And so we know God through Scripture. But I want to tell you today that I don't think that's enough. I don't think we can truly know God just through hearing somebody describe God. I don't think we can really have an authentic relationship with God that's based in what we read in Scripture. See, here's the thing. I can tell you all about Shaquille O'Neal. Ask me about him. I know all about Shaquille O'Neal. He's my favorite basketball player ever, Seven foot one, 350 at the Heaviest of his career, shot like 53% from the free throw line. Don't fact check me, I'm really, I really don't know everything. But I mean, one of the most dominant NBA players ever. I can tell you that he released rap albums. I can tell you most of his movies. I can tell you how bad they are. I can tell you all these things. I know a lot about Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know Shaq. I have no clue who he really is as a person. I can memorize his stats. I can read stories about him. I can do all that. But that doesn't lead to me really knowing who he is. That's what I'm talking about with God. We can read in Scripture who God is, and that's great, and we should, and we need to use Scripture to understand who Jesus is and who we're supposed to have this authentic relationship with. But it goes further than that. We have to have a personal relationship. I don't know Shaq. You know who I do know? I know Megan, my wife. Do you know why I know Megan? Because for 14 plus years, we have known each other. We've spent time together for the last 13 plus years. We've been married and every day we talk and we experience things together. And Sometimes we say the same things. Does this happen to you guys? Whether it's like a best friend or a spouse, like you say something at the same time and you're like, oh, come on. We know each other so well. I know what Megan's going to say a lot of times before she says it. You know why? Because we've been sharing life together for 13 plus years. You could write me a synopsis of who Megan is. You could write all about her. I wouldn't really know her until I experienced life together with her. I don't know Shaq. I know all about Shaq. I don't know Shaq. I know Megan because I have had a relationship with her. We've built that. And so number one, we know Christ through reading Scripture, but the second part of this, and they can't be separated, is that we learn through relationship and communication. So we have Scripture that guides us, but that in itself is not good enough. We have to have an authentic, personal relationship that's built on communication. The coolest thing happens, I, I, the coolest thing happens in my house right now. Charlie. Charlie's like, he doesn't look like me. He looks more like Megan. But Charlie and I just have like this bond. 
And Charlie, it, it, we've got a really fun thing going on right now where, uh, where Charlie and I kind of joke with each other. And by the way, I'm sorry, I know that he comes and says the things that we say at home, and we probably shouldn't say them, but we do. And so we have this thing right now where every time I leave or every time I put Charlie to bed, I say, he'll, he usually starts, he'll usually say, I love you, cheese ball. And I say, I love you, dirtbag. And he says, I love you, Han Solo. And I say, I love you, Chewbacca's fur. And we go, like, we go for like 10 minutes back and forth on this whole I love you. And we make up, he makes up these long, elaborate stories of how he loves me. And it's the funniest thing, but Charlie and I have this bond that we're forming because we spend time together. Because I'm with him when he's, when he's having a hard day. Eli this morning. Eli came downstairs, so I know one of the biggest things that Eli loves is coming to church with me early. He hates coming to church at 9.30 when Megan comes to church. He wants to be here the earliest he possibly can. So this morning, I got up, I got in the shower, I got ready, and I walked out, and I realized, uh-oh, Eli's not up yet. And I knew that we were in some trouble because I knew that when Eli woke up and realized that I was ready to go, he was going to be pretty upset. And sure enough, at about 8.10, he walks out of his room and looks down and sees me ready and bursts into tears. Where's that come from? I know Eli so well. I know my kids. I know Megan because we've shared life together. We have conversations. We communicate. I can tell you about Shaq, but I know my family and when we talk about knowing God, when we talk, when Paul says, I want you to know Christ, I want you to know his will, I want you to be able to discern who God is, it's more than just scripture. It's an authentic relationship that leads us to know who God is. So we know God as we daily live in prayer to him as we daily walk with the Spirit and communicate with God. Verse 9 says that we would have all knowledge and wisdom through the Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit to walk with us every day. I know that God is this cosmic thing, but God's Spirit can live in you. And every day you have the opportunity to spend time praying and experiencing life with the Spirit, and with God. And if you're really going to know who God is, if you're really going to know God's will, you have to have this active, living, authentic relationship. So we know God as we daily live in prayer. Why do I know my family? Because I spend time with them every day. And so in the past couple years, things have been pretty crazy in my life. I've walked with God through every day of that. Your life has, you're all going through different things. Maybe things are great. You need to walk through that every day with God. When you, when you get your feelings hurt, you need to be open and communicate with God. When you're angry, you need to open up your heart and communicate with God. When great things happen and you feel like celebrating, you need to celebrate with God. Do you understand that this is an active, living relationship the same way that when something awesome happens, I have to tell Megan about it. This is our relationship with God. We need to be living and active 
in our relationship. I was thinking about this. We had a funeral yesterday for Judy Minor. And when, when you come to funerals, we always have a time of sharing. And when people share at funerals, do you know what they don't share? They don't share facts and information about people. They don't say, oh, she was five foot six, and she, this, is, this is who she was. They don't give information. When you go to a, a wedding and there's a, there's a best man toast, very rarely does the best man say, yeah, he stands at 6'4", and uh, he went to four years or three years at Trevecca, and then, then he went on here. We don't give information. What do we give? We give knowledge of who they are when we really know someone, when we really love someone. We share life together, and what really helps you to know someone is not just the facts and the info, but the experience. And so we need to experience God. We have God's Word, and that's important. It grounds us, but we have to experience God every day to know God. If either one is missing, we're in big trouble. During Jesus' time, there was a group of religious people that were called Pharisees. And they knew God's word, they knew the law, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do and not supposed to do. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have an authentic relationship with the God of the Scriptures. And you know what happened? They created gods that didn't exist. They got off track, they weren't who God created them to be. And Jesus' biggest problems weren't with messed up people that... that had a hard time getting things straight. Jesus' biggest problems were with the religious people that left out the intimate relationship with God. The other side of that is if we're just trying to seek who God is through this mystical thing without understanding the God of the Scriptures, we're going to end up in some bad places. That's, that's where we're at today in our world. We end up with a God that, that doesn't really exist I remember when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, um, they were really big into Bible quizzing. I, I did Bible quizzing as a kid back when you could look at each other's answers. I didn't. I didn't cheat. My wife did. But back when you had a box and you pulled out a number, like, that's when I did Bible quizzing. But they did Bible quizzing where, like, there, were, there was, like, this really you know, complex thing. They had seats that had electric sensors on them, and the first person to jump got to answer, and it was this big deal. And I'll never forget um, being at, at Trevecca for our regional quiz. Trevecca's the Nazarene University in Nashville that I went to. And we were there for our regional quiz. And our South Carolina, um, man, I wasn't going to tell you where that was. That's my bad. Um, our South Carolina quizzing team was incredible. They were like probably the best on the region. I think Kentucky was pretty good too, but, but those were the top two. And so they were facing off against this other district that just really wasn't as good. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting there watching them quiz, and they're just wiping the floor with this other group of quizzers. And you could just see this other group of quizzers that's sitting there on their seats, and they don't know the answers, and they're, they're just feeling, I mean, you can see that they're dejected, they're hurting. And I'll, I'll never forget this moment. They, they ask a question, and one of, one of the quizzers from the other area, we'll call it Ohio, it wasn't Ohio because we're not on that region, but one of the quizzers from that other area that was just getting beat to smithereens, jumped, and they got the answer. They got up and said the answer, and they got it right, and everyone cheered from that district. And it was this big, great thing. It was like, hey, we finally got a point. And then the people 
from South Carolina got up and argued why they shouldn't get that answer right. This was their first, it was, the score was like 210 to zero. That answer made it like 210 to 20. The game was over. They couldn't win. They were so excited they got one right. And the South Carolina people got that answer taken away from them and started cheering and being excited. And I saw once again this other group that was like, and I just thought, you know, we can memorize Scripture all we want. We can look at God's Word and memorize the rules. We can memorize all of it all we want. But if, we don't, if that doesn't translate to an authentic relationship with Jesus that pours out in love for others, we're missing it. Our knowledge of Scripture should be a starting point for us to understand who God is and for us to build an authentic relationship. And if your knowledge of Scripture is all you have, you're going to turn out cold and off base. You have to know Christ. And so knowing God is the number one thing that, that gets us rooted. Knowing who God is through Scripture and through relationship. But there's a second part of this. The second part is understanding who we are. Knowing who God is and knowing who we are. Henry Nouwen has a quote. He says, nearly all wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. It's not just about God. God is the beginning point. God is the center. But we are a part of this. And so knowing who God is and knowing ourselves if you look at the scripture that we read today, it talks about that you would know God's will, that you would know God, and then the second part, that that would lead you to live a life that's pleasing. There's a, there's a you part in there. It doesn't start with you. It, the, it's not all about you, but when you know God, that should translate to you knowing who you are, knowing your place. And so knowing who God is leads us to a knowledge of who we are and what we are really called to be. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say we, as followers of Christ, need to learn our place sometimes. This, this is going to sound kind of harsh. Sometimes we, as followers of Christ, need to learn our place. We need to know who God is. God is supreme. All things are created through and reconciled through God. And we were created to worship, to point to Sometimes I think we, as followers of Christ, need to learn our place. See, here's the thing. You're conditioned every day to think that the world revolves around you. Did you know that? You are conditioned every day to think that this whole world revolves around you. When you get on Facebook, all of the ads are tailored to who you are. Have you ever done that where you bought something somewhere and then all of a sudden there's advertisements for that place on your Facebook page? That experience, is the Facebook experience is created to make you think that the world revolves around you. What about the television shows we watch? What about, what about the movies that we watch? They give us the impression that all this revolves around us. I, if you were a 90s kid, you grew up with Saved by the Bell. And Zach Morris was the center of the universe. He, everything revolved around him. He could time out and pause everything. He, you are conditioned to think that the world revolves around you. But there's a problem. The world does not revolve around you. No offense, Chris Coffing. 
I'm not saying he thinks that. No offense, all of us. But the world does not revolve around you. Sometimes we act, sometimes we live like the world revolves around us. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes I catch myself thinking that this is all about me. Sometimes I catch myself thinking that all this is happening around revolves around me. That's not true. If you look at the scripture, God is supreme. God was before all things. God will always be. All things were created through God. All things were reconciled by God. The world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around God. And we need to understand our place. When we get our place wrong, things get really messy. Look at what's happening in Hollywood right now and the scandals, and the people that think the world revolves around them. And, and I don't want to just make this a Hollywood thing, because honestly, it happens right here in Westchester Nazarene. It happens right here in me. Sometimes I think the world revolves around me, and I get things out of place, and I forget that God is God, and I was created to point to to worship God. Understanding who God is helps us understand who we are, who we were created to be, and what we are called to be. And so knowing God helps us know ourselves. I didn't write this down, but one of Keller's quotes is that the only true way to know yourself is to know God. You can fool yourself, you can fool others, you can fool anyone. The only way to truly, authentically know yourself is to truly, authentically know the God that created you and is over all things. And so it starts with knowing God. It leads to knowing ourselves, and it honestly leads us to a place that the world doesn't revolve around us. It leads us to a place of spiritual emptiness. And this is the part where maybe some of you are thinking, man, this is no fun. I like it when the world revolves around me. But hear me out. You weren't created for the world to revolve around you. You were created to point to the creator. And so if you get that wrong, if you get things out of whack, your life's going to be a mess. The world doesn't revolve around you, and that is a great thing. Because the more we understand who God is, the more it's not about what I can accomplish or what I can do, the more we understand God's love and grace. There's two things that are awesome about knowing that the world doesn't revolve around us and knowing that it's about God, and that's this. When we don't know God, we put extra pressure on ourselves, but when we know that the God that's over everything, the God that's more powerful, the God that everything is created through, loves us and sacrificed everything, that Jesus came to earth to sacrifice everything so that we could be a part of the kingdom. There's freedom in that. Do you feel that? Do you live that? Knowing who God is and knowing God's love and grace for us gives us freedom. Because if it was all about you, guess what? It's pretty messed up. Go ahead and nod with me. It's pretty messed up if it's all about you, isn't it? But it's not. It's about God. And the good news is you don't have to be perfect because God loves you and God paved the way for you to be a part of the everlasting, ongoing, big-time kingdom. That's who God is. That's how God loves you. And so it's okay that the world doesn't revolve around you because God chooses 
to allow you to enter into the kingdom. As our roots deepen in knowing God, we are transformed into His image. The more we understand who God is and who we are, the more we're transformed into God's image. Your life has value and purpose, not because you're awesome, but because the God who is awesome loves you and redeems you. It's all about knowing God. And so as, as we wrap up this service, it's a little bit different. As we, we're we're going to spend some time practicing knowing God. And so usually the, the, the way we do it is we come in, we sing a song, we greet each other, we sing three or four more songs, and then we pray, and then I speak. But today I, we wanted to speak first because we want us to practice knowing God and worshiping God. And so in the rest of this service, the band is going to come up here, in the rest of this service, we are going to worship God the same way we do every week, but I want you to really focus on who God is and who that means you are. And so the, the band's going to sing some music and then we're going to read some scripture. And I really want this for you to be a time of worship and prayer. I want you to spend time praying through these scriptures. I want you to sing along about who God is. And I want this to be practice for each and every one of us, for every day this week and ongoing, that we would spend time worshiping and knowing who God is so that we can be who God calls us to be. Father, I pray in these next moments, I pray as we sing together, I pray as we read your scriptures, I pray as we walk through life every day that we would know you more. Help us not to miss this. Help us not to get our priorities out of whack. Help us to know who you are because you are good. You are good. And your love and your grace for us is everything that we need. And so, Father, in these next moments, we just want to worship you. We just want to open our hearts to you. I pray that each and every one of us would just open our hearts and our minds to know you now. That as we sing about you, we would pray that we will know you. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us will walk away from here today knowing that we've experienced you and your grace and your love and your awesomeness this morning. Amen.